This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers along with you. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Outstanding producers this afternoon, Cam and Taylor. The busy hour one. A couple of entry-level contracts signed in the NHL the last couple of days that we dove into to kick off the program. Including a conversation about Sam Honzik, the Flames... New top prospect from the 2023 entry draft. And perhaps what him signing his three-year ELC means at a Flames training camp in a couple of weeks. Also, Logan Cooley with the 180 decision not to return to the University of Minnesota and instead jump into pro hockey with the Arizona Coyotes. Plus our regular Thursday chat with Adnan Verk. MLB trade deadline approaching. Angels will not be selling off Shohei Otani, and he rewarded them this Thursday afternoon with a complete game shutout against the Detroit Tigers. All of that available on the Hour One podcast, which will be up momentarily. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Mr. Vickers, Hour Two coming up. A big win last night for the Calgary Surge. Yep. We'll hear from uh, a couple members of the Surge following their victory against Edmonton last night. A big battle of Alberta victory. Plus, our NHL offseason in review continues. This time looking at the Dallas Stars with Bruce Levine. Looking forward to that. But we have some, I don't know if it's necessarily breaking news or... Ooh, don't use that word right updating now. Updating news. Uh, it's always the tough part of this year when it comes to NFL training camps. All 32 teams in camp. And today, fingers crossed, it's not bad news, but it certainly doesn't look good for two superstars in the NFL right now. Just moments before we came on for hour two, Aaron, video has come out of Cincinnati with star quarterback Joe Burrow going down and grabbing his calf at uh, training camp for the Cincinnati Bengals. He was then subsequently carted off to the uh, back to the training facility for more uh, observations and tests. That's not good. No. And earlier today, similar for Jalen Ramsey, star cornerback for the Miami Dolphins, one-on-one drills with Tyreek Hill. He went down with injury and was also carted off. Now we have no official news on either player, but A, the cart coming out is never good. Ever, I don't think there's ever even, been a... Even in a precautionary no, situation, never, no bueno. Never a good one, and you were talking about two star players, especially Joe Burrow, who we thought 
is next in line for that massive quarterback contract now goes down for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, man, fingers crossed for both of those guys that we're talking precautionary because we have just kicked off training camp. Yeah, as you mentioned, the cart coming out. Regardless of how precautionary it is or not, that is never a good sign. And, and the Joe Burrow one happening, what, five, ten minutes ago? Not even that. And you feel for Joe Burrow f- on a number of different levels here. And you mentioned he's next in line for that record-setting contract. He's like, he is slash was. going And again, this is all very premature. We don't know the status of the injury or whatnot. But his quote in hindsight about his contract extension is a little telling at the moment. It gets done when it gets done. And we don't know the extent of the injury. It could be minor. It could be, you know, one of those things that happens in July 27th. And you go, why is he still out there? Let's just get him out out of here again, left on a cart. But when you look at his resume through three years, season ending knee injury as a rookie in 2020, comes back to be the NFL comeback player of the year in 2021, was fourth in MVP voting in 2022. So to see him carted out on Thursday, July 27th, not ideal. Not ideal for the Bengals, not ideal for Burrow, not ideal for anyone in this situation. We're getting more details on the Burrow incident. Kelsey Conway uh, on Twitter, at Kelsey L. Conway, is the Bengals beat reporter for the Inquirer and USA Today. Uh, she's had video of this. She's on the sidelines watching all of this, and uh, she had video footage of the play uh, where Joe Burrow pulled up with this injury. And probably the worst news of all, as I just watched this again, Aaron, is it's a non-contact play. Oh yeah, I'm watching for it now Joe too. Burrow, and that calf is all. By the way, that calf is already in a sleeve. He just he looks to step up in the pocket, and something doesn't feel right. He immediately takes any pressure off of his leg, goes down to the ground, and calls the trainer over. And again, that calf is already in a sleeve for Joe Burrow, so something's bugging him there already. It's a pretty simple, standard quarterback play in training camp. Rolls to his right. Pressure comes in, steps up in the pocket to make the throw, and immediately when he puts pressure on that left leg, something tells him not to, and he hobbles over a couple yards. And as you can imagine... Trainers, uh, fellow players, quickly come over to uh, to Joe Burrow, who discards his helmet um, in, in what looks to be a pretty big level of frustration for the young quarterback. Yeah, hop, 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 and then straight down. And as you mentioned, teammates, coaches come over. And it's curious that that leg is already in his sleeve, so clearly this was a known issue. And to me, I'm hoping that that was just like a slight aggravation of the right leg. And he realized it immediately and went, you know what? This, this isn't worth this. We're not ready for this. Yeah. Um, it's sort of how I read it from 8,000 miles away and, and watching the video. I don't know. I don't think so. That sounds like a lot. lot. Um, but I was, you know, 3000 kilometers. Is that enough? I'm not. Uh, I'm not here for math, and I'm not here for geography. You'll learn that real quick. Yeah. But regardless, rolls out to his right, hop, 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 gets right off of that right leg, and then straight down, and can't really see his eyes from the video replay. But I imagine there was a whole lot of this ain't good. 
No, so fingers crossed uh, on both of those. Uh, look, uh, Bengals and uh, Dolphins was something to worry about early on in uh, training camp here as uh, Jalen Ramsey goes down with an injury and is carted off at Dolphins practice. And now similar uh, situation for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati uh, as he's carted off. Now, some people are, are mentioning, too, the, the Bengals practice facility, like the actual where you would go see the doctor is a fair distance away from the uh, field where they're practicing on. So, so no matter you're what. You're not going to ask him to any player that's that's hobbled to, to walk back or to, over to it. But, again, as we move on here, the cart's just never never a good sign. So uh, fingers crossed for both of those. If any of the big NFL insiders happen to, to gain more knowledge uh, of that situation throughout the, the rest of the afternoon, we'll be sure to bring it to you here on Sportsnet today. But, uh, Aaron, back to uh, the local sports scene. Uh, they've already clinched a playoff spot in their first year, and uh, it was a great showing last night at Winsport for the Calgary Surge. 85-67 over their rivals up north, the Edmonton Stingers. A little Battle of Alberta action. A little Battle of Alberta action, yes. Uh, not a great start. The first half, uh, not what the Surge were hoping for, but the second half, uh, quarters three and four, dominant for them, led uh, by Sean Miller Moore. He has 18 points in just under 30 minutes played. And uh, look, Winsport was sold out last night. There's been a buzz around that team all season. Absolutely, there has been. And they're giving them reason to to cheer for with nights like uh, last night, 85-67. Cam, you and Taylor were there last night along with Shan, checking out the action, getting us some audio from the game. How was it at uh, Winsport? It was electric, buddy. Uh, yeah, sold out crowd. Basically what felt like a playoff atmosphere. I mean, it's the Battle of Alberta. You're going to get that. But it was physical, it was loud, it was bumpy, lots of momentum changes. It was a lot of fun. Any Oilers jerseys, given the fact that the, the basketball team is from Like, did they try to invade? Could you no, get a sense of Edmontonians here? No Oilers jerseys, but there was a full section of yellow Edmonton Stinger fans. I mean, that's good for the league. Yeah, I think I saw on the broadcast, they said they brought a bus of 100 fans down. Yeah, full section, just coated in yellow. Good for them. That's good for the league. Yep. That they've got that kind of interest early on. So good for them. Uh, really like what Jason Ribeiro and the rest of the team have done there for the Calgary Surge. Wind Sports a great, uh, great facility, great for facility it. to go. Like I said, they're heading to the playoffs soon, so that's great. And uh, to get you caught up on last night's action, let's start with the head coach, Nelson Taroba. Got to be happy with his team's performance. Like I mentioned, they're going to the playoffs, but still some work to get done for his team before they get there, and that included – uh, comeback win against Edmonton last night. Here's a surge head coach following their win against Edmonton last night. How's that feel? Man, feels good. Feels good. Really proud of the guys. Really happy for them. Uh, they, uh, they found a way. You know, this is kind of the team is finding its its uh, recipe is is that we can trust a lot of different people to help us win the game, and they're okay with letting uh, it work out in the wash and, and letting the game kind of dictate what, who that is for the night. So, for instance, obviously, Simi carried us against Winnipeg when he was here. Had a rough first half today. Jordy Shimanga was amazing and, and, you know, subbing for him and just really did a great job on Brody. Um, and then, again, Mason obviously coming in, you know, end of fourth, end of, uh, third right there. Two big, two big threes helping us. Terry was a stabilizing force, you know, 
Uh, and then Steph, you know, had a, 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 a rough early start, but then just, you know, finished the game with great defense. Admon uh, kind of started the second half with, you know, started the whole thing with his defense, you know, and kind of led the way with us. We got some early shots for him. So, again, my point is just saying that just everybody understanding that on any given night, there's about five or six guys who can help us win a game and, and trust that we can all relax and let that happen. You need that for playoffs. Sure, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we need it. Our team needs it, um, and we're happy to have it. Uh, and I think it's good that they're starting to see more and more on every night. It's, it's kind of, it can be part of our identity. We have, I think we have four guys in double digits, if, I remember, if I'm reading this right. Yeah, four guys in double digits, another guy with eight. You know, uh, that's really balanced, and that's, you know, that's pretty good for us. And so, you know, we're, we're a connected team uh, and a sharing team, and, and that, 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 that demonstrates that business. Mike, during the dip at the start of the season, Mason talked about how when you guys were trying to come back, it was easy for guys to try to play hero ball just because everyone is so talented, but now he sees everyone making the adjustments so collectively the team can pull up the cup. Is that something you're seeing? Yeah, I, I think uh, th those are um, the old saying, mistakes of commission versus mistakes of omission. You know, when we, sometimes we don't play as well as we do because guys are trying so hard. Mistakes of commission. I'm trying so hard to do the right thing, do right by the team. I want to take more burden on. I want to take more responsibility on. And I think that's when we start kind of getting uh, outside of our lane. Um, you know, that's those are the mistakes that sometimes you take, but I think that's what we were confident we've been confident, which is let's let's trust, you know, the system, let's trust the person next to us, let's make the right reads. There's no way to predict the game, we just gotta take what the game gives us. Is this team playoff ready? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're playoff ready for sure. Uh, you know, they defend, um, they execute better and better, uh, they share the basketball, um, and they play for each other. So uh, those are those are parts of a recipe that you want in terms of winning games that matter. What would you say to a Calgarian who hasn't been to a game yet? Man, they're missing out. <laughs> they're missing out. It's uh, it's special. Tonight was special. Uh, the crowd was amazing. Uh, you know, just really, really an amazing environment. Uh, you know, I don't get to enjoy it like a fan would. I, I'm jealous of the fans, like you said. You get to be a fan today. Uh, I'm very jealous because it's it's a fun, fun situation, and our guys are a fun group to watch play. Will that game mean something if you play them again in the, uh, again in the playoffs? Well, you know, the game means a lot in the sense of, you know, being able to support, secure the home court advantage is a big deal. Obviously, in win sport, this is a wonderful place for us to play. Um, and then, you know, right now, uh, we need to just chip away. I mean, you know, Saskatchewan's another big game. There's a chance we can, we can play for a one seed. Uh, depending on how the next game goes with Winnipeg and Edmonton. So uh, there's still a lot to play for. As Saskatchewan's playing for their playoff lives as well. They've got a chance if they beat us. So this next game will be another good game for us to, to be challenged and get ready. Uh, and, and it's a game that's an important one for us still. You need Edmonton and Edmonton needs you for Uh Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's true. That's true. So if Edmonton were to beat Winnipeg, then we'd have a chance if we beat Sask. And yeah, so we do need each other in that respect. Yes, sir. Uh, turnovers, just about 20 there in the yeah. in the first half. Bakery closes, only one in the fourth quarter. How were you guys able to turn that? Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> man, I think uh, just simplifying, uh, narrowing our, our, uh, our options on offense, um, and kind of cutting the menu down a little bit, and just uh, keeping things simple. I think was a good good recipe for us in the fourth quarter. And to be honest with you, you know, our defense created our offense, which, you know, makes it easier to score when that's when that's happening.
You feel, you feel you wanted the game more than them tonight? No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I think Edmonton is tough as they come. And they came out and they were ready and they were ready the whole game. We had a nice run at the end, but they they defended. Uh, they were physical. Um, they executed. Uh, they're as tough a team to play in this league. So uh, I, I think they both teams were, you know, wanting that win. And it was a battle. We were fortunate tonight, but that's a tough team that uh, – that uh, I don't think anybody wants to play. I mean, they're tough and, they, and they're well coached. So I give them credit. You guys had a pretty big comeback this game. How did you spark your team to get that? You know what? I think just, you know, it started with Admon Gilder. You know, his defense in the second half, we got a couple stops, we got a couple runouts, we got some transition threes. I think that gave our guys hope and relaxed us a little bit. I think Jordy Shimonga gave us some big stops. Kind of, we, it was a good answer for Brody for, for a spell there. Um, and I just think that, again, Mason uh, hit those big shots. We started executing, and, and I just think that all those things coming together, but starting with Admon's defense was kind of the spark that kind of got us kind of believing a little bit back and, and feeling we had hope. Head coach Nelson Taroba, uh, and at the end there, speaking about uh, one of his key players last night, Mason Bourchier, 25-10. Eight points, seven assists, but some key shots down the stretch for the Calgary Surge, helping them to a win. Here's Mason post-game following the win for Calgary. How's that feel? Great. Yeah. Big win for the program. First year getting a chance to host playoffs for your first game. There's still a chance to lock up the number one seed, so... I mean, it's just the energy in this gym is so excited, and especially in big games like that, you, when, you, when it goes down to the wire, we can make exciting plays. It just Calgary, I love it. You know, my whole summer here, I've, I've loved it. The energy, the fans, everything. So, awesome. nineteen turnovers in that first uh, first half, one in the final quarter. How were you guys able to trim that, and what does it say about the results? I mean, talk, I mean, first off, talking to assistant coach at halftime, I think they said uh, he had twenty, they had twenty four points on turnovers. First half, and us having 20 turnovers means 20 possessions of shots. So like that's a huge, that's a huge swing, point swing. So come the second half, just taking out the ball. I mean, really all it is is execution. Like we, we weren't, we weren't turning over because they were pressuring us. We were just stepping out of bounds, little things that you know are pretty unique in basketball, and we just kept doing it. So it's kind of just like unlucky night. Like, a good team turned it around and execute. That's what we did. Yeah. Anything special when you play in Memphis? Pardon? Is there anything special when you play in Memphis? Is there a rivalry? It's interesting because, like, being a BC boy, I'm not, I'm not really, I don't know about it. But then showing up and seeing the energy, seeing their fans come to the game, it's, uh, it's a pretty crazy atmosphere, and you don't feel it until you experience it. So I heard a lot of fans talk about a preseason, just how big of a uh, matchup that is. But I mean, going to Edmonton and then coming here, you see not just the excitement from the crowd to be there, but also the rivalry. You can feel the tension in the building, especially with the two teams. So uh, we start to feed off, feed off it, they fed off it. But it makes for an exciting game. Are you guys ready for playoffs? What makes you ready for playoffs? Uh, it's interesting because I feel like every good team, like there's no team out there that never has their dips. And I feel like we had our dip in the season, but it was early. And uh, it's nice to have, you know, the first five wins get us hyped up with that early. And then we have that dip where we're going through a lot of losses late. But having these few wins to, to end the season, it's you can't really you can't really have a better peak going into playoffs. So I think uh, it's also a testament to Coach Nelson, just the way he's put home the exact same fundamentals. He 
he never let us get away with little mistakes. He kept hitting normal. What we need to improve as a team, and it's starting to show up. The execution, like like she said, going from 20 turnovers in the first half to, to one, I think, in the fourth. It really shows that our execution, when we put it in the in the play, is really starting to come together. You had a few open shots there in the fourth quarter. What what opened up for you and your team uh, to get that huge run in the fourth? I mean, uh, one part of it is just always staying shot ready. I mean, I know how much time I put in, so whether the first couple, I mean, I know last game I didn't hit anything, and the first half of this game I missed a few. So one part of it is just always staying shot ready. Um, I think the second part of it is being kind of a pass first guy. All these teams, they start to really, uh, they're late to come to help because they think I'm gonna uh, get rid of it early. So when it comes to the end game, I know they're gonna give me that shot. So it's almost like a, it's almost like kind of setting it up, not, not showing them all my pieces early. Because when that ball comes back to me, I know it's going in. It's just, you know, playing playing the game of chess. So. When, you, when you talk about that dip early in the season, I remember you guys saying that so much of it was just mental or emotional rather than what you're actually capable of. Do you feel like this is one of those games where maybe then it could have gotten away from you, but this shows how much the guys have matured? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. I mean, you see in like the start, like when we first started the season, we had some of those crazy comebacks, but they were like in really late fashion and they weren't really like, Organized, structured. They were just like, we're getting good buckets, getting transition, getting out. We were just happy we came up, came away with the win. But then these games, it really shows because right when that second half hits, we were like, okay, fundamentals. We know what's going on here, and we're changing the, we're changing up, we're making adjustments. We're making the adjustments and showing. Whereas before, I don't know if we were making the adjustments. We were just hoping the ball would uh, roll my way. So um, it definitely shows the maturity, seeing the way we executed, um, and it's just being able. I wouldn't say turn it on and off, but seeing how our team can go. All right, we need it. We're waking up all here. Guys put their egos to the side. And instead of trying to play hero ball, which is what I thought we were doing good season, it's kind of lost with those games. We're really moving it, trusting each other, and it's, it's starting to show. You're a philosophical guy. What are your thoughts on the wave? On the wave? The wave. The fans are doing the wave. <laughs> philosophical guy. Um, it's an energy booster. That's like, I don't know. It's, it's fun. I mean, it goes bad. I just love playing. So the energy here, whether it's half sold out, fully sold out, it feels the same. So that's a, that's a sign of a pretty impressive class. Can you, I love it. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Can you give a message to the city of Calgary going into the playoffs here the last game? Shoot. We got a lot of energy coming in. The league is new and it's fresh, but it's providing a, a lot of high-level talent. You're getting a chance to see some of the highest-level basketball, not just in Canada, but North America, even the world. Um, and you get a team that's really well-coached, has a bunch of really young, up-and-coming talent. That, yeah, I mean, you're getting, you're getting a win-win situation when you come to watch. So, yeah. All right. Go meet your adoring fans. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. Mason Bouchier joining us uh, last night after the win for the Calgary Surge over the Edmonton Stingers. I'm sure get down to win sport. They're selling out games already. They're in the playoffs. Not an atmosphere you want to miss. Just adding to an already rich and diverse sporting scene here in Calgary and doing some pretty great things uh, in their inaugural season. So shout out to Cam and Taylor for Getting us that audio from uh, the Surge and the Edmonton Stingers last night. We have a quick update, Aaron, before we go to break here uh, on the story we started with. That was Joe Burrow being carted off at Bengals practice with a calf injury. Uh, head coach Zach Taylor speaking to the media after uh, practice. Says that he suffered a calf injury today. Called it a calf strain, which would obviously be better than any sort of tear or ACL tear. Uh, calf tear, any of that. Um, so they'll have more news in the coming days, but uh, expecting to keep him uh, out of any preseason action 
uh, for the Bengals as they are obviously going to be extremely cautious with their franchise quarterback. Oh, yeah, you are certainly not rushing him back. Not You haven't hit the regular season yet. There's no just doesn't make any sense to force him back into action before he's ready. Again, this is a guy that has upside as a potential league MVP. He was fourth in MVP voting last season. You don't like to see something. You don't see, like to see a guy pull up like that on a non-contact play and have him cart it off. So maybe not the worst news in the world for Cincinnati. Could have been worse. But yeah, no sense in rushing him back. Let him sit out the bulk of the preseason here. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Our NHL off-season review continues. Taking a look at the Dallas Stars. We'll do that next as Sportsnet Today rolls on. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back. Hour 2 of Sportsnet Today continues. He's Logan Gordon. I'm Aaron Vickers coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hour we chatted some Calgary Surge. We'll play playoff basketball in their inaugural season here in Calgary. A little Joe Burrow discussion after he suffered a calf strain a little earlier today. But now we continue our NHL offseason review as we head down the Atlas Pizza guest hotline to welcome in Bruce Levine, radio analyst for the Dallas Stars. Bruce, thanks for taking a little time out of your day to join us. Well, thank you for having me on. I hope the uh, weather up there is slightly better than it is down here. Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny. I can say, however, that we've got a little bit of blue sky peeking out of the windows here. Uh, we're at 40 degrees right now. Oh, uh, humble brag. Every... <laughs> what, because I can speak in Celsius? <laughs> either or. Either or. It's only 19 degrees here today. Okay, well, there you go. I'll trade with you. <laughs> as long as you're not burning yourself on the sidewalk. You're shocked an American can speak in Celsius? You know what? I'm not because I can routinely spit Fahrenheit as long as you don't put me on the spot. Okay, fair enough. I I, I understand completely. <laughs> Bruce, uh, let's dive into it. Um, we're sitting here Thursday, July 27th. We're 50-some-odd days out from training camp. I'm bad at math, but I'm going to ballpark it somewhere there. What do you make of the work Jim Nill has done to date this offseason? It's hard to argue with the fact that Jim Mill has upgraded his forward position tremendously. Uh, no slap. Max Domi was a good guy and a good player, but Matt Duchesne for $3 million for one season is a great upgrade. Now, all of a sudden, not that Max Domi was bad, but you look at what Matt, what Matt Duchesne can do, and he's most likely going to be on the line with Tyler Sagan and either Mason Marchman or Ty Delandria as training camp begins. And all of a sudden, your top nine looks really, really good. Now you throw in the fact that you've got Craig Smith and Sam Steele to play fourth line with Radic Boxa, and I think the Stars have upgraded their forward spot. If there's one question of anything, it's how will the defense do? There were times in the playoffs where the, the blue line looked a little bit outmatched. Uh, the big question for Dallas is Niels Lundqvist, who the Stars gave up a first-round pick last year to trade for to get him from the New York Rangers, can he make that step and be a guy that the Stars believe can be a top-four defenseman? If he does that, the Jim Nill gets an A-plus for this offseason. If the Stars have holes in the defense heading into the second half of the year, look for the Stars to be active at the trading deadline because they really believe their window is now to make another run at the Stanley Cup. 
I want to ask you about Jim Nill's contract extension in a moment, but since you brought up Matt Duchesne, you mentioned where he might slot. What is the expectation for him at $3 million coming off a season with the Nashville Predators in which he had 22 goals and 56 points in 71 games? Okay, well, first of all, no one cares about the $3 million. It's a bargain. Yep. You know, it's, they're not going to judge him by the $3 million. What they're going to judge him by, if you look at Nashville, here's a team that, for the most part, in the last few years, UC Saros has got to stand on his head. Otherwise, they don't win. I mean, that's Nashville's a team that doesn't score a lot of points, didn't play a high up-tempo offense. Is Matt Duchesne capable of getting 90 or 85 points with the Dallas Stars? That's what he's going to be judged by. Now, the hard thing for Dallas is when you look at the power play units, how do you change? Now, all of a sudden, your second power play unit, you're going to have Sagan, Duchesne, Wyatt Johnston, probably Evgeny Dodonov, and then either Ryan Suter or Niels Lundqvist or Thomas Harley to run the point. So Matt Duchesne will not get power play one minutes to begin the season, but does he stay on the second unit or does he play well enough that he gets moved up to the first line, which I don't know who you bump off that one between Hintz, Robertson, Pavelski, Ben, and Haskin. There isn't a whole lot of room there unless injuries happen. But Matt Duchesne gives Dallas a chance that with three lines, you can throw any line out there and they can put pucks in the net which, quite frankly, in a non-traditional hockey market, fans like goals. You could win all the 2-1 games you want, but, boy, you, put a, you win a couple of 6-4 and 5-3, people get excited. Two-year deal for Jim Nill. Dropped about, what, 48 hours ago. That'll keep him with the Stars through 25-26. NHL GM of the Year, Western Conference final trip. This is basically a no-brainer in your books? Uh, it's, it's a no-brainer because not only if you look at what the Stars are doing on the big club, but in the past four years, the people he has brought in to run the amateur scouting department have absolutely crushed the draft as far as Dallas is concerned. This was a team that after 2016 didn't make the playoffs and had very little in the pipeline. And, of course, around here you talk about it all begins with the 2017 draft where you've got Ottinger and Haskin and Robertson Dallas has done very well as far as drafting is concerned. So not only has Jim Nill got the big club in contention for the Stanley Cup to make a run of the Stanley Cup, but the pipeline is filled with young players. You know, in signing Matt Duchesne and, and getting the depth with Steele and, and Craig Smith, you know, Logan Stankoven, who Western Hockey League fans should be very familiar with, yep. people thought he was going to have a chance to be the Wyatt Johnston of next year. Now we're not sure if he doesn't begin the season in the AHL because the Stars have got the depth up front. And that's all Jim Nill's handiwork. He has really put this franchise in position to be contending for years to come, not only with what they have now, but if you look at the Dallas Stars, they've got a whole bunch of guys coming through the pipeline who are going to be NHL players in the next, you know, maybe six months, maybe two or three years, but he's got the talent coming through. Bruce, is one of those young players that the Stars are expecting more of going to be a guy like Thomas Harley, who got six NHL games last year but had another outstanding year at the AHL level? He's a guy that, if you look at it, he was – it's very strange in that the Dallas Stars were tremendously healthy last year. Nero Hastings got a little dinged up back in October and November, and that was it as far as the blue line was concerned. I talked to the Stars coaching staff down at the AHL level, and they kept saying, Harley's ready, Harley's ready, but no one got hurt. He didn't get that chance. Thomas Harley played every playoff game, got deep minutes in the playoffs. 
he is going to be going into camp with a chance to be a top four defender on this team. He's another guy that Jim Mill drafted, has struggled in training camp last year, but went down to the AHL and learned how to fix his defensive deficiencies. So Thomas Harley is a guy that the Stars are expecting to contribute meaningful minutes on the blue line. He comes into camp with a spot on the NHL roster. It's his to lose. It's not one he has to go win. I'm curious how uh, year one was perceived for Pete DeBoer behind the bench in Dallas. Obviously some good results for the team, but you know, taking over uh, a, a team that needed to get some more production out of Jamie Benn and, and Tyler Sagan. What did you make of year one for Pete DeBoer behind the bench in Dallas? Well, first of all, you got to remember that being the head coach of the Dallas Stars, you are not under the microscope. So Pete DeBoer was very, shall I say, laid back and easy going compared to what we've heard from other stops of Pete DeBoer. In fact, uh, here's how crazy it is. Last February, when the Stars are in the middle in first place and you know doing well and everyone's excited, I sat like two rows next to him at a Springsteen concert, and no one knew who he was. <laughs> so it's a much different feel here. I mean, he's just another middle-aged guy watching Springsteen. Yeah. I guess we all kind of were that night. <laughs> but what Pete DeBoer did was he took – a team that, you know, Rick, I have no problem with Rick Bonus. Rick Bonus played a defensive-style hockey. But Pete DeBoer took this team and made it up-tempo and made it exciting. And for the players like Ben and Sagan, who have been, you go back before Bowman, you had Jim Montgomery who played defense first. You had Ken Hitchcock for years defense first. These guys wanted a chance to go and attack. So Pete DeBoer got the players to buy into the system that he wanted to play, and they were excited about it, and they excelled. And, Jamie Benn, before last season, had a long talk with Jim Mill, and Jim Mill told him, you've got to be quicker. It's not about being big anymore. You've got to be fast to keep up with the kids. And Jamie Benn went out and changed his entire workout routine and became faster again. Can Tyler Sagan, you know, he, he was so decimated after the bubble, after the bubble playoffs and the injury he had. No one was sure if he was going to come back. Can he come back two years now and do what Jamie Benn did last year? But to get back to your question, Pete DeBoer gave this team, I say, an excitement to play hockey again because they really were burned out on playing the defense-first system that they have for the last three coaches. So next year, you go in, and you know I think Pete has earned the team's respect and he's earned their trust. And with the veterans they have in the locker room, Pete doesn't have to do a whole lot of things other than X's and O's. Because when you have Pavelski and Ben and Sagan and those guys in the locker room, Lockman takes care of himself, and Pete really just has to worry about coaching rather than, I would say, team dynamics. You mentioned a name there that uh, is is very intriguing to me because not too many 39-year-olds put up 28 goals and 77 points in Joe Pavelski. Is he just, at this point, set and forget for another 25 goals in your point per game, and how has he been able to defy Father Time? Yeah, yeah. yeah Joe Pavelski. And not only that, but Joe Pavelski keeps taking pay cuts to allow the Stars to get more players on the roster. He is the Dallas Stars' sixth highest paid forward next year. You can believe that with with the kind of production he's had. Joe Pavelski, if you watch Joe Pavelski, every morning in pregame skate, he does his routine and goes in front of the net and practices tipping pucks. Tips about 50 to 100 every morning. Just goes out there and works on it. When you're playing with Rope Hanson, Jason Robertson, Rope stretches the defense and creates gaps. 
Jason Robertson draws the attention, and Pavelski knows where to score goals. That's what makes that line so dynamic. Joe Pavelski, I mean, you can probably punch him in next year and probably the year after that, too, because he's just so good at what he does in front of the net. You can't teach people the hand-eye coordination or how to be in the right place where the puck's going to go to you. Pavelski is, you know, it's funny. When the Stars signed Pavelski, you know, after San Jose let him go, the argument was, well, you sign him for three years, you'll be lucky if you get two good years out of him because he's getting older. And now you're looking at year five of Joe Pavelski, and there's no reason to think 70 points, you know, the way the NHL scoring is up, 25 to 30 goals, 70 points. Barring injury, I think you can just put that down as a lock. As long as he's playing with Robertson and Hintz, he's going to get the puck and get the job done. And let's go on the other end, the opposite end of the old age spectrum with Wyatt Johnston, as you, you sort of alluded to him before. How does he avoid a sophomore slump, and what's the expectation for him? How much does it raise for year two after putting up 24 goals last season? Well, Wyatt Johnson is an anomaly in the fact that if it hadn't been for COVID, Wyatt Johnson probably wouldn't have been a Dallas star. Now, as you know, Canadian Junior shut down before the 2020 draft. Dallas loved him. They saw him at the U18s where he was playing third line behind that incredibly talented team that, was, that won the gold medal that year. But Wyatt Johnson had his breakout year, and the question isn't so. He's so low-key and so even-keeled. I mean, really, he's playing with Jamie Bennett and Gedney Dodonoff. I think the only thing that slows Wyatt Johnson down this year is if his two older line mates have injury problems. Again, I go back to Dallas did not have a whole lot of time on the IR last year. Ben played the entire season. Bogdanov came over and was a great addition before he got hurt late in the playoffs. So if those three click like they did, and that's one thing Wyatt Johnson said right after they got to Donov, it's like, wow, this guy knows where to be every single moment. I love playing with him. If that line can stay together, I think Wyatt Johnson maybe even gets 30 goals because he for sure is going to start this year with power play time probably on the second unit. Now, again, if a Logan Stankoven pushes his way to the lineup, does he play with Wyatt Johnson? You know, with two kids and Jamie Ben. There's a lot of things that can happen. But Wyatt Johnson is a guy that works hard. He's very low-key. He's not flashy. But, boy, at the end of the year, you look up and go, how did a 19-year-old do that? And somehow he did it. You've mentioned his name twice now, so I have to ask about Logan Stankoven. Is he a top-niner bus situation, and he's better off playing 20 to 22 minutes on the top line in the AHL? Or what do you see? What's the expectation as camp nears for Stankoven, who had 97 points in 48 games with Kamloops last year? Can I caveat this? Yeah. I love Logan Stankoven. I love the kid. Uh, I saw him at the U18s down here, and he was, to me, the most notable player on Team Canada that wasn't named Bedard or Gunther or McTavish. I thought he was fantastic. Logan Stankhoven needs to play. And there is no reason that you're, that the Dallas Stars will put Logan Stankhoven on the big club if he's going to play fourth line. That's not his game. He's not going to be a checker. I, you know, I talked about the Dallas Stars line. You have, yeah, we call him the Avengers line with, with Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski. Wyatt Johnson centering between the Donoff and Ben. Saving Duchesne, probably Marchment. If Logan Stankov is going to sneak into the lineup and make it force his way out of the club, it's got to be on the line with Sagan. The Stars will not allow Logan Stankov to come up and be a fourth-line guy and play 10 or 11 minutes a night. It doesn't help his progress. doesn't teach him the pro game. 
Jim Mill has a saying. He likes the prospects to be overripe if possible. He wants them to get as much pro action as possible before they come up to stay. So if Stan Coven does not get to the top nine, he begins the year in the AHL, probably on the first line, penalty kill, power play, 20 minutes a night, learning the pro game. And I guess last but certainly not least, uh, if you're a Dallas Stars fan, I imagine you feel pretty comfortable heading into the season with uh, the tandem of Wedgwood and Ottinger and Nett, hey? You feel very good about it, but the one thing is you're a little bit worried about a number three. If Wedgwood gets hurt, now he got hurt last year and Matt Murray came up and they didn't play him a whole lot. They were a little sporadic. He won one game in Chicago, played a few other games. You're a little bit worried about the number three because – if Ottinger gets hurt, he went on the IR for about two weeks in the regular season. Wedgwood did the same. The Stars right now don't have anybody in that number three spot, the AHL. They can call up and know they can absolutely throw him in the net as an NHL player. That's the one concern about the goaltending depth. Who knows what happens in training camp if someone becomes available. But, boy, it's hard to think that Jake Ottinger is not going to continue his progression and you feel very, very comfortable about him being in the net. The Stars don't want him to play. They really don't want him playing 60 regular season games like last year. But if you can put Jake Ottinger in the net for 50 and Scott Wedgwood for 32, you're pretty happy with that goaltending tandem. Bruce, thank you so much for your time today. This is really good stuff. Really curious about the Dallas Stars this season, as you mentioned. They have a lot going for them and very little to concern themselves with for the rest of the uh, summer here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on, boys. I really appreciate it. And uh, go enjoy that nice 19-degree weather. Oh, yeah. T-shirt and shorts weather for sure. No doubt. (laughs) Yeah, well, T-shirts and short and melting on the sidewalk here, no doubt. (laughs) No doubt. Thanks again, Bruce. Bruce Levine, radio analyst for the Dallas Stars, joining us down the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. The Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Just, I'm so interested about the fact that their top nine, the Dallas Stars' top nine, is so deep that a prospect that had two points per game in the Western League last year was a captain of a dynamite team, is not going to necessarily get an opportunity right out of the gate to to be in a top nine role. Well, I mean, I guess the good thing if you're Dallas looking at that is it's because you've got all these other young guys making it tough for him to come up, right? I mean, you mentioned why Johnson. We didn't even talk Maverick Bork, who's kind of in the same uh, spot. You know what I mean? It's like, and you're not going to push Pavelski out of the way. He's been so good. I I guess it's, it's a good problem to have in a way, right? You'd rather have more options than not enough. It's, I, Stan Coven's one of those guys where I feel like it, the right opportunity, the right if it is an injury, which sometimes leads to opportunity, will be kind of his moment this year. But I mean, you're right to, to have that kind of depth. And the the good news is it means I was wrong, which a couple of years ago I wondered how this team would ever survive with Sagan and Ben with those contracts. Them. Yeah, they've changed that narrative. Absolutely. That was uh, our latest installment of the NHL offseason review with Bruce Levine, radio analyst for the Dallas Stars. Earlier this hour, we talked a little Calgary surge, a little playoff basketball coming to Calgary. Joe Burrow, calf strain out for the entire preseason. Is that what we're looking at for uh, Joe Burrow? That's the narrative today. We'll see if that holds true in a couple weeks.
If you missed it, surf back wherever you get your podcasts, Sportsnet Today. Around the corner, Calgary Wranglers captain Brett Sutter is back signing a new contract with the AHL team. That, around the corner at Sportsnet 960, the fan.